The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by two fantastic co-hosts. Laura Nash. And Shane Kelly. And this week, we are kicking off our coverage of IF Comp 2023. Uh, we've been covering IF Comp every year for quite a long time now. Uh, but in case you're new to the show, I'll just give a very brief introduction to the comp. I've done this a few times now, so uh, forgive me if I leave anything out. Um... Uh, so, if, if you're not familiar with IF Comp, this is the interactive fiction competition. It's an extremely long-running uh, competition slash, you know, what you what a lot of people today would call a game jam. Although, in some ways, I think this kind of predates the popularity of the term game jam. IF Comp is an interesting competition where uh, folks from all over the interactive fiction scene create and debut new works. So, everything in IF Comp is a brand new game slash interactive fiction work debuting as part of the competition, which means that we get a huge crop, uh, over 70 games, I think, this this round. I need to double-check that number. I didn't even... I usually get the, the count in advance, and I didn't this time. I will count them. Thank you, Shane. All debuting as part of the comp. I'll talk a little bit about the, the rules and the process of the comp in a moment. Another little bit of backstory in case you're brand new to the show. Interactive fiction. Ladies and gentlemen, what is it? Um, basically just means text games. If you have ever played a, you know, a Zork-ish type of thing, then you have played a parser-based interactive fiction game. Um, but there's a lot of ver- variety and different types of games and different forms and formats. All that means is that these are games that are primarily interacted with through text, through reading, sometimes through writing, making choices, and so on. Um, and... Um, in the comp this year, we've got a lot of great new works, some from authors and game makers that we've played games from before, and uh, some new works from folks that we are seeing for the first time. Uh, the whole comp is really interesting. Uh, it runs for uh, one and a half months. It runs to the middle of next month. Um, and uh, you, listener, you can be a judge in the comp. All you have to do is go to ifcomp.org. Uh, you can create an account there. You don't have to create an account to play the games, but you do need an account in order to vote. Create an account, um, start playing some games. Uh, you can pick anything that you want. They've got some nice filters to let you decide what you'd like to play in terms of things like game length and, and format. Uh, and as long as you can judge five games in the competition, then you can vote on them. And those votes are all tabulated and awards are given at the end of the comp. And it's a very exciting thing that we do every year. And one of the best things about I have comp is that you are allowed to stop playing any game and grade it after playing two hours. If it's longer than two hours, you must grade after two. That's when you do your rating. So um, even if the game is a little longer, a lot of them are short. We're going to be talking about games that are 15 minutes, 30 minutes. I played one that was two hours, but like just under, like these are all short games or meant to be uh, complete experiences after two hours, even if you keep playing. I think there was one last year that I stopped playing after three and was like, this could be going on for days. What is going on? But almost always, these are short. Um, and if they are going to be longer, they will give you ample warning. Yeah, yeah there's looks like there's just a handful of games that are over two hours this year. Um, and I tried to count them, but I am not 
com- confident in the accuracy of my count. I think it's about 75. We can get the exact count uh, at another time. That's what spreadsheets are for. Check the show notes, folks. Yep. <laughs> or just go to ifconf.org and count them yourself, you lazy bum. Um, yes, so, they are the lazy ones, not us, the podcast not- hosts. <laughs> So um, we uh, an- another another bit of, uh, of hedging and table setting that I like to give every time. Um, you know, we we enjoy the comp. We come to the comp every year to play. We are we do not put ourselves forward as experts on this stuff. Mm-hmm. We have had you know a few days to check out a handful of things uh, that are in the comp this year. We don't know all of these games top to bottom. Um, you know what we were talking when when we give our impressions here. That's all they are impressions. So um, you know, you listener might come across games in this large list of games that we haven't gotten a chance to check out yet or that you respond totally different to, that's great. We want to hear your thoughts about it. Um, we have an active IF Comp channel on our Discord, which is a great place if you're interested in coming and joining us on Discord and chat chatting about the, uh, the IF Comp games that you're playing. We really love to hear that stuff. Helps us cover the games. We've just hand, you know, in this first episode of our coverage, we tend to return back to IF Comp several times throughout the, the, the length of the comp. Uh, in this first one, we're just talking a little bit about some of the games that we're checking out in the very first, you know, the first blush of the comp of 2023. So we're just just going to talk about the things that jumped right out at us, the very first thing that was things that we've played. Yes, and I will say that we are um, always looking for recommendations. We are picking based on things we like personally, the time we have, and authors we know. Um, we will be... Uh, very, very, very open to any suggestions if you would like to share things that you think we must play. I, I always try to make it a point of pride that we play the majority of the top 10 before the end of the comp. Um, and that's almost impossible to do without recommendations. Absolutely. So uh, with no further ado, I hate when, whenever I say that, I think about how I feel like get very annoyed when YouTubers say with without with no further ado or or whatever. And it's like, guys, you've been doing an intro for like 15 minutes. What are you talking about? There's been all the ado in the world. Let's go on and talk about some games. Reagan, that's what our listeners are here for. They come for the ado. I mean, they stay yeah. for the short games. Honestly, they're here for the transitions. The content is secondary. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, Laura, why don't you tell us about the first game that we both played, actually. This one is just one that jumped off, uh, jumped out at both of us. This is the very first game that I played. I don't know which if it was first for you. It was first for me as well. Um, the game that I... It's, I think, the, one of the last in the alphabet, if not the last in the alphabetized list, Xanthopy's Last Night with Socrates. And I was, um, first of all, I, I recognize the author, but I was more excited about a 30-minute-ish game with um, Socrates last night and a woman who, uh, his second wife, who I only knew as, like, argumentative like that's the only thing i knew about this woman is she's supposed to be argumentative so i was like oh this is gonna be a really fun dialogue (laughs) the last night on earth with this woman who's supposed to be a fighter and feisty um and then i opened it up and was thrilled because um it's written in ink which is uh the a really lovely engine that uh 80 days is based on an overboard where the kind of text appears i just I love a little elegance in my choice-based uh, thing, but also they had um, a dedication content warnings, like all this really nice extras that made me feel like it's a small game, but Victor has me in really good hands. Why did you pick this one? Basically because it was a game uh, by Victor. Um, 
oh gosh, I'm going to have to pronounce his name on the podcast again. Um, Espers, I think. Uh, apologies to you, Victor. I can never keep pronunciations in my head. Um, love your games, though. <laughs> love your games, though. Yeah, um, I loved Turndo so much last year. Or no, sorry, was it last year? What are we talking about? It's like five years ago. When was it? 2019. Oh. Yeah, but relatively recently, all things considered, we've been covering this for quite some time. 2019 is not that. that 2019 is the before times, Laura. It's Mm. like it's ancient history now. Um, But this game has stuck out to me for a long time since. I loved Turindo so much. I thought it was one of my favorite things I'd played in the You'd love a main girl. (laughs) You know, you know. I know. That's... (laughs) You know, um, know. that's definitely it. But also it's just beautifully written and funny. And um, I just I just loved it so much. Um, So that was, you know, I think it placed really highly in I think it got like second place in the comp uh, in 2019. Uh, And I mean, you know, it was first on my voting. I loved it. And so this is the first game that I've seen him come back with since that. Um, And so I was very, very excited to play it. And I was, you know, really pleased with it. I loved it. It's, uh, it's done, you know, you, you mentioned it's done in ink. I don't actually see that many folks using ink in the comp. I mean, I know they, mm-hmm. they do like it's, it comes up. Um, he moved over for like, um, Turindo was, was done in choice script, which is the like choice of games system. Uh, my understanding from listening to, to some talks, um, from John Ingold is that ink is very suited for branching dialogue choices and remembering, mm. um, dialogue choices that will affect future dialogue choices, which is why I think this is a perfect place to experiment with ink because it's, it's a conversation. It's very, you know, Galatea, but it's just remembering things that you've said and, and calling back past arguments, past lovers. Um, Oh, I will say before we get further, uh, the content warnings, this is not a, this is not a pornographic game, but this is a game about you bribing a guard to go have a last night uh, with your husband and all that implies. It's literally, you know, can you convince him to, uh, quite frankly, they use the word fuck you. So, but he's not in the mood because he's about to die. And so you have conversations about philosophy and lovers and all of these other things. But you will talk, quite frankly, about sex and you will be putting hands on bodies. Uh, just yeah. if that makes you uncomfortable, avoid. But it's not, this is not a sex game, but it talks about sex. True. I, I, I was kind of a little hesitant going into this. Like the, 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 the very concept of like, this is a game about trying to convince your husband, Socrates, who is about to drink the hemlock and, and, and be mur- you know, murdered by the state, um, trying to convince him to have sex with you in this one last night you have together that that's extremely dark. And also like it, it I mean, like right on the face of it, there's a, like, can you convince him to fulfill his marital duties? This feels like, like, are we playing, are we making light of the death or like what tone I was not, I was not sure what kind of tone I was going to be expecting going into this. And similarly to Turindo, like this is a game that threads the needle of darkness and humor and, uh, and also just sort of um, like poignancy, I guess, like really, really well. Um, it, it's uh, without getting into the content yet, like I would just say like this was a game that like I I got really emotional about it, which it was not what I was expecting about a game about fucking. Um, well, it's well, it's very clear. Um, there's the the joke about movies that like, it, you know, sex moving the plot forward. Like this is a game about 
discussing sex, like sex is clearly part of their relationship and how they relate to each other. It's part of their arguments. It's part of their laughter. It's part of their like teasing each other and like to have a last night that captures their relationship. Xanthope believes that sex should be part of it. And Socrates does not because he is focused on his legacy and all these other things. So it is about two people who love each other being very separate in their last night. And I found both sides to be very honest and very human, um, which for a game that was very funny and pretty dirty at times, like it, it was funny how quickly they became human in a very short game. Okay. How heartbreaking was the last, I don't, I don't want to spoil things for anybody, but like well, the last third of the game. Spoil for Greek <laughs> history, uh, well, okay. but Socrates doesn't make it out. Um, I, 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 I was uh, thinking like, man, man, is there, what happens what, at the what, end of the Titanic? Guys? <laughs> what, what do I have to click on to like unlock the secret jailbreak ending? No, you're not going to, this game is not about jailbreaking Socrates, but it's a game about how you are going to feel about what's going to happen at the end of the night. Right. But I mean, you got, I guess what I was trying to get at was like the, the last, I don't know, third or so of this game, like when, when they sort of finally get past the sort of initial, like, like awkwardness of the conversation and trying to figure out like where they are, what they are to each other in this moment. And, and there's a sort of playfulness. They start playing out like scenarios from their past relationship, kind of, kind of like reenacting for each other some moments you know uh, earlier in the relationship and it's just it's heartbreaking and so funny and so lovely like it's i i, I don't know I, I was i was deeply emotional about it by the end and i thought it was really really well done so um i'm not sure what else i have to say about this other than that i can't recommend it enough it's about 30 minutes the the um the time listed on the comp page is was dead on for me. Um, yeah. And I, I will say that there is a burgeoning genre of like the forgotten women of, uh, you know, like let's write a whole book about Circe or let's write a book about the women of the camp in the Iliad. And like there, the, this is the one that was a woman that was not being raped or tortured. That's <laughs> And I was kind of happy to have a story about like a woman who, um, her husband has made a choice to die and, and and like that's the bad thing but it's about how she deals with it and I, I found that I mean, all of those pieces of literature are great actually I've read a lot of them and that's Circe most- book that you're alluding Cersei's to I can't remember the, the name of the author um Yes, she also did Song of Achilles. Yeah, well, um, it, it, Cersei was so good. But yeah, Madeline I, I actually thought of that. She's I lovely. Of that as well while I was reading this. And also while we're recommending books, Emily Wilson uh, is about to publish her tra- new translation of the Aeneid. Oh, the, interesting. I- the, no, the Iliad. Um, uh, after she did the Odyssey. There's I a lot of cool feminists. There's, yeah. there's, there's a really good new Odyssey translate. So I'm 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 very tempted to read that because I've just been Oh, the Odyssey on a big, one is gorgeous. Uh, Greek history uh kick with my yeah. son. We've been reading a book called um Greeking Out, which is based on a podcast by the National <laughs> Geographic uh kids. That podcast group. is like a hit with almost all the kids I know. They love the yeah. violence. Um but the mm-hmm. yeah, she just did the the Iliad translation, I think publishes this month. Um which she worked on for six years or something. Um, anyway, love a feminist history slant. And this is a great way to be recentering somebody who 
uh, it's not about Socrates and his bros hanging out. It's mm. about Socrates and his second wife who's younger hanging out. And I think that it's such a cool idea and I'm really excited it's in the comp. Yeah, I loved it. I think Shane is going to talk about something completely different now. <laughs> yeah, I I have a game that um, I it was a kind of a surprise, enjoyable uh, action flick of a game for me. Um, I ended up playing it twice and enjoying it both ways. Uh, the game's called 20 Exchange Place. And the nice thing about this is, you know, sometimes you find things you really like just by kind of hitting shuffle. And, uh, you know, that's how I approached this uh, kind of kickoff of the comp. Uh, there's a brand new creator by the name of Soul FC. Don't know if that's, don't know what that means, uh, but they don't have anything else on IFDB yet. And uh, if this is their first thing, period, it's great. It's um, the, the idea is it's basically uh, you are a cop on the scene um, at a bank robbery and hostage situation at 20 Exchange Place, um, a, a building in the financial district in New York. And uh, it is very, it's it's one of those, um, you mentioned like Inc. I think it is Inc. Mm-hmm. At, at, which handles really big branching stories quite well. And this is definitely one of those. Uh, the first playthrough that I did, I kind of barged in and just sort of started trying to, you know, keep the crowd back and, and, keep a lid on the situation and I ended up um, in a real hot seat with a reporter and it went real bad huh. um, and I didn't really help the situation at all and then I think I died so oh. um, the second time through I, I, I had a lot more of an interesting kind of uh, hostage negotiation kind of scenario I won't try and give too much away because this is very short it's like 15 minutes um, if that, you know, if you're a quick read and it has this kind of action movie beat to it, that's, uh, just kind of gritty. Um, you know, the, the, the police officer that is your main character, um, maybe it's my choices, but does not seem great at managing, <laughs> Uh, their job or their emotions and uh, is uh, having a real bad day. And uh, so it's uh, it's got a little bit of like a diehard vibe to it. So if that's something you're interested in, um, it's described on the game's kind of title as uh, um, a short form, multi-ending, high octane race against a ticking clock in the heart of New York City circa 2006. Mm. And uh, it is pretty cool. It's uh, it. I think it's definitely worth checking out if you want to just sort of uh, dive into something kind of crazy and stressful. It's like it's action movie fodder. Um, and if you have seen movies like this, you know you've you've got the gist. Uh, <laughs> I'd even I even recognized the building that it's in. Twenty Exchange Place is a uh, was a uh, it was a building that I have seen uh, in real life. And when I Googled it, I was like, oh, that's the one with the uh, the the people's faces way up high on it. And, uh, you know, it's so I would recommend this one. Check it out. Um, 
always, always, always intriguing to kind of see something that you kind of want to take multiple tries at because I have not had a good result from this game yet. Um, but I do kind of think I'm going to move on to other things in the comp. Um, so best of luck to the hostages. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, well, the next game I wanted to talk about, so, you know, f- forgive me listeners, you know, when, when a new comp starts up, you know, one of the things that I kind of just have to do is scroll through the page, looking for authors whose names I know, whose works I've enjoyed in the past. And so there's a little bit of waiting towards that, especially in the very first episode here for me, at least, and my approach. And so the other thing that I was very, very excited to play right off the bat was Lake Adventure by BJ Best. And I'll also come out, come right out and say that I haven't finished this one yet. I've played about an hour and a half of it. Um, the comp page estimates two hours, but I think I'm probably going to take longer because it seems like I'm about, you know, based on the the walkthrough materials that are available, I don't, I don't think I'm more than, I'm probably less than halfway through the game. But I think I'm okay to talk about what I think is so cool about the game uh, now. And you may hear me come back with updated thoughts on a later episode. That said, I can't recommend this one enough. Um, first of all, if you haven't played anything by BJ Best before, like last year, he knocked it out of the park. Uh, uh, first place overall uh, with a game called And Then You Come to a House Not Unlike the Previous One. Um, and one of the most intriguing things about that game, that game is was a game about playing uh, old text adventure games on a computer in the game. And it had this sort of, you know, meta text, your meta uh, textual layer, meta uh, game kind of thing, games within games. Um, And it was really quite dense and interesting, but it was very much about like the feeling of going back and exploring games made in the eighties in, you know, in a modern context. Um, And as a companion to that, he also released a game called Infinite Adventure, which he had, he released pseudonymously, which was actually built for, uh, 80s computers. It was built for DOS. Uh, and you could play it in a DOS emulator or theoretically on a real DOS machine. And he released that as a kind of companion piece that was related and he released it under a pseudonym as part of the comp last year as well. Pretty cool, right? Pretty cool to be able to like not just do this game that's sort of about uh, in a way sort of about the history of games but also make this new game that is, will run on an old machine. Well, this year he went doubled down on that and his his release for the comp this year is entirely written as a game for DOS. Um, you, he, he did provide some really nice ways to play it. You can play it in a browser just like other stuff. You can click on it and play um, the DOS box version in a browser. I actually don't know how the tech for this works, but apparently um, some kind of cool DOS box in a browser technology available here. I downloaded DOS box to my laptop and ran it that way. Anyway, this year's game. Um, which I'm so far really enjoying is called Lake Adventure. And what he's done is, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you boot it up, you're running the like dot bat file in your in your DOS box or whatever. Um, and so it has this sort of feel of I'm already kind of doing computer archaeology, but he layers onto that. Um, first of all, this the comp it being the comp. I love a walkthrough. I'll definitely click on the walkthrough link for any game that offers it. Um, if it doesn't seem too entirely spoilery, I can't recommend the walkthrough that BJ Best has put up for this game any more highly. It's mm. part of the da- game download as well. But what you get if you open up the walkthrough is a six page PDF that is 100% a just photographic copy of a 90s Mead spiral bound composition book from like you'd have in a high school. And it's got page after page of hand drawn logos and maps 
little notes in the margins about different things from the character's life. This is a totally diegetic walkthrough. It feels like you're looking at the design document that the young game maker would have made while they were creating Lake Adventure in the 80s. Um, so it functions both as a map to the game and and uh, and a kind of walkthrough, but is is uh, obfuscated in some clever ways. For example, some rooms are there but crossed out. What does that mean? That kind of thing. Really clever. Really drew me into the game. But it's also totally diegetic. It's a feely. It's great. So everything about this aspect of it, just you know, definitely. I printed this out. I was playing it, you know, with it in paper. Had a had a pen in hand. Uh, while I was going through the game, and I cannot recommend that highly enough. The other thing that I want to say is really cool about this is the, that he's brought the modern day into the retro experience very well. The premise, it begins with, um, don't you're not just booting up this floppy, it begins with some context where the young man that created the game Lake Adventure has found the, he's, a, he's an adult now, he's found the floppies, he has contacted an IT guy at work who has an old rig in his basement and they are playing through the game together over Zoom at the very beginning of the pandemic. So you get this very specific moment in time because they they can't play side by side and so uh, um, they're just doing it over Zoom. Um, you know, he had to drop off the the floppy in a little little paper bag on the guy's porch and the guy was going to try to see if he could get anything off of it for his for his buddy at work, right? Um, and so you've got this reason for them to be playing it together, but that also he, he chimes in, you don't really get the voice of the it guy. I think that's supposed to be you, right? Um, but you get the voice, uh, I should have the name handy and I don't, the, the sort of main character who, who created this game. Um, you get his sort of voice periodically chiming in, um, it just sort of puts some little hash symbols and then puts some text on screen. That's him saying, Oh God, I remember this, this part's really embarrassing or, you know, what have you, his, his like beat to beat commentary where he's, uh, talking to this other person who's playing through his childhood game, uh, along with him, uh, and giving you context on like where he's at and where he's at with it in terms of, of today. So I haven't gotten quite far enough to really, have commentary on much other than like, you know, the, the, the moment to moment of it is you're, the game is based on his childhood home. So you're exploring the house. The rooms have names like, you know, my bedroom, mom's bedroom, that kind of thing. It has that feeling of like everybody, when they first figure out how to, you know, how to use some kind of game creation tool, the very first thing they do is model their house or their school, right? You know, one Mm -hmm. or the other. And this is that, but uh, you know, you're you're trying to escape the house and go to uh, you know a, a little girl's birthday party. Um, who it's unclear from some of the whether this is your your little sister or your friend's little sister, and you know there's some fictionalized aspects of it that he you know the the adult version of him is commenting on like why did I do that? Um, I can't wait to get further in this because it it feels like it's building to something very very interesting. But even without seeing it through to the end yet i cannot recommend it highly enough i think it's just incredibly well presented um and uh, i didn't really try the like web-based or other way he's offered multiple ways to play through this you can also play it he has like a a version you can play in a modern interpreter or whatever but i i recommend you know download dosbox point it at this folder and run the dot bat file and and give it a try i think it's really cool so um i think this is probably going to do really well in the comp it's just the kind of thing that people in the comp tend to like there's always the like the like um old parser head um uh you know slant towards some of the voting uh and this is you know 
this is a uh, a celebration of those old parser heads, you know, myself <laughs> included, right? Um, so I I love this. I think it's really cool, and I will try to come back with some updated impressions once I finish it because I am uh, I'm I you know I can't wait to finish it. Um, Laura, I think that you are next with another from a uh, short game favorite. I'm so glad that you jumped on the grenade this year. Oh, by grenade, you mean (laughs) that I played the person's games that I consistently like every single year? Oh, no, poor me. I played someone's games I love. I know. I, I'm joking, but what I, I what I mean is that. But now I can years. tell you if you can if you'll like it or not. Is yes, that what you're yeah, saying? Exactly. So yeah. um, for people Arthur who DiBianca, haven't listened, yeah, for to... people who haven't listened, Arthur DiBianca is a is a great game maker. Um, every year I play his games, and very frequently I bounce off of them because I am too much of a dumb dumb. So Laura, tell me, <laughs> can I play this? Yes, uh, you can. That's the short answer. So this game is called um, The Vambrace of Destiny, uh, and it is it feels like the culmination of everything Arthur DiBianca has tried to make his brand of puzzle game accessible in one game. Like, I think he's finally like combined all the parts into the point that it, it, it scales beautifully. So the, the plot of this is it's a, like a light dungeon crawler, a wizard stolen, a thinger, and you have to go wander around and go through all the traps and find him and fight him. Um, and you've been given basically an infinity gauntlet. They call it the Vambrace of Destiny, but you essentially, I mean, you literally are running around grabbing gems and putting them in your glove. It's an infinity gauntlet, let's be real, but they can't say that. Um, <laughs> That's cool. I mean, they could. There's there's a, there's a lot of <laughs> copyright uh, uh, brinksmanship in the comp. But, uh, but sure, it's a Vambrace of Destiny. Why sure. not? Um the but, Eternity uh, Mitten. Eternity Mitten. Yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, there's um, a, a, a Jewish thing where you put like um, a hand of gods outside doors and my, my in-laws looks like an infinity gauntlet because it has jewels on all the fingers. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> it's very funny to me. Um, uh, but anyway, the, the way this actually works is you – hit single buttons you hit n l like you don't type words you just hit single buttons and it reacts the Mm. idea is that it's a single press um i could see someone speed running this um and as you're running around this dungeon um it's drawing a map for you in the corner (laughs) like it is actually drawing you a map and it it shows you with little uh hyphens exactly where you can and cannot go um and you are also, when you pick up a, let's say you go grab a gym and you put it in your glove, they'll be like, you've got the gust spell. That's the first one you get. Hit G and a gust of wind will blow. When you walk into a room and you hit G, you don't need to target anything. It literally just hits the whole room. Hmm. So the puzzles at the beginning are literally just, you can brute force. You walk into a room, you can hit G everywhere you go. But um on that's kind of the first floor is figuring out the mechanic. When you go to the second floor, uh, you are doing timing puzzles of like, oh, you've got a supercharge spell if you go here, but then you need to get to this room in four movements. Like, can you teleport? Can you do that? So it they feel like Zelda puzzles. 
That's what this feels like more than anything. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Where you walk in and you're like, I just picked up the hook shot. I know I need to wander (laughs) around and shoot this hook shot somewhere. (laughs) But like, which of these four doors should I shoot the hook shot on? You wander in, you read the flavor text, and you're like, that one has an eyeball. Go. Like, that's what this feels like, is you are just reading flavor text. You get a spell. You're like, ah, debris is falling. I can probably cast my earthquake spell in here. And there's no downside to casting every spell in every room. It will be really tedious later on when you're trying to do, you know, multiple things in a row. Um, But the puzzles are just like order of operations, like and reading the text and figuring out what to do next. It feels like Zelda puzzles. You're telling me that Arthur DiBianca has finally made a Metroidvania. (laughs) (laughs) Yes and no, because I think once you finish a level, like you can go back and get treasure. So that is the other thing is there are harder puzzles. Like there are things that are guarded by like things you don't understand or locked doors or things like that, that you can go back later in the game. So yes, he did make a Metroidvania. You can go back up. (laughs) You can teleport back to the first floor. Like once you get a bunch of spells and like go pick up hidden treasure, you don't have to. It just makes you feel smart. (laughs) But um, I didn't go back and get all of the treasure. Um, But you can backtrack when you get more powers and new things will unlock, which is the definition of a Metroidvania. And I can't, I'm mad at myself for not figuring that out. Um, (laughs) But like, it just feels like a lot of work has been made. I mean, there's a great hint. It's all in Rot 13 and it's all chronological and it's organized by like the keywords like lair, guards room, spinning thing. So like when you get to that room and it's called that on the map. So like there's a lot of quality of life things. It just feels like a, so much work has been put in to make this so that you can slowly level up the puzzles and um, if you are stuck, there will be help for you. And That's I'm awesome. like, cool, great. You put all the training wheels on. I'm so happy. Um, <laughs> my favorite of his work is still the um, Sanctum Sage Scramble, which is just 30 word puzzles. <laughs> it's not even a game. <laughs> it's like, how many of these word puzzles can you solve And before we're going to give you a prize. Um, but this one, it feels like a little bit more, there's more story. There's more description. Um, you're doing that cool fantasy bullshit where you're like, it's a skeleton. There's a bat Hank guarding a door. Like I can't get through this door. Cause there's a glass golem. Th- those are all first level ones. So I'm, I'm not spoiling the cool surprises and there's a boss battle. It's not a surprise. Wow. You're chasing a wizard, but yeah. like there's a boss battle at the end. And the boss battle is barely, very fulfilling. So That's so cool. Yeah, no, this sounds really appealing. Like I, I've I, I've walked such a weird line with his games. I absolutely loved some of them. Like like um, Grandma Bethlinda's Variety Box. I thought mm-hmm. was like so funny and interesting and and great. And then like I swear, like I should probably still be talking to my therapist about the wand. Like mm, I have, I have, yeah, the like, wand is. The wand is hard. Dreams about that one. Um, not that it's a bad game. It's brilliant. Um, it's just, I wasn't brilliant, <laughs> um, but it was really cool. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that like, yeah, that it's interesting to see him kind of like, he's not, he's not, I was going to say dialing it back a little, but that's not right because he's just, but, he's exploring different territory here. I, I really want to give this one a try. Yeah. Cause it's such a limited parser. Like one of them, like one of the layers he introduces, as I mentioned, was like the, 
the ability to short term get a level up on one of yours, but it expires after X moves, but you can teleport. So uh, again, you've got a map in the corner, you know where you're going, you can plan ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's really nice is that like you can see a map, you know that the thing that upgrades you is in this room and the thing you have to get to is here and you can teleport to one of these two locations. Like that's all marked out. So you you don't have to keep that stuff in your head. You don't have to keep notes on it, but it's really nice to just be able to be like, oh, no, I can solve this tiny puzzle. Go, go, go. <laughs> um, it That is, um, I think short-term memory is not a puzzle solving <laughs> to me. So I'm really happy when I don't have to take notes. I don't have to track everything. Um, just it makes it feel like I can focus on the puzzles, which is the whole reason I'm playing the game anyway. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I feel like you can almost speed run this because you're just pressing buttons. Also, I got really, I went in the wrong direction 80,000 times because I kept confusing my west and east. But like very, when you only have to hit one button and it immediately responds, like doesn't matter how many extra turns you take moving around the board because it's it's snappy. It's nice to have a puzzle game that you can, you don't have to pay attention to everything to solve the puzzles. You just have to pay attention to what's in front of you. That's why I'm, I keep saying it's a Zelda puzzler. <laughs> what's in this room? <laughs> this room has all the clues to how to solve the puzzle. And I really appreciate that. A little under two hours for me, but I also was um, a little sporadic. Well, I have no transition, so sorry, listeners. Um, I, you know, I know that's why they're here, as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did check out a game that I don't know how... To specifically recommend because it was it's a little there's a sort of a subgenre of um, IF comp game that I always seem to kind of pick something up from and that's um, games with kind of an educational message or I think we had a few of these like that last year and mm-hmm. this one strikes me as as that sort of thing the game is called Disfluent um, it is a uh let me make sure i have the name of the creator here beg your pardon disfluent is by allison gray and it's actually a really interesting little piece of exploration of someone else's experience the game is very much centered around the experience of having a stutter uh, a very a, a pretty severe stutter um and touching on everything from uh, what is the experience like in childhood of maybe seeing a professional about this, uh, how it affects your daily life, um, going th- really the structure of the game is going through a single day that kind of culminates with a, um, you know, in, it involves seeing friends, um, doing some tasks like shopping for a present and ultimately going to a job interview. And, Um, some of the great things about this game, first off, you know, my wife is a speech pathologist, so this is a topic that, and stuttering in particular is a, is an interest of hers. And she and I have had uh, a lot of conversations around, around this topic. And I think that they've done a really good job of portraying it. The interesting thing here also is they, they have done some kind of unique things with the form. Something I'm not always wild about is when they ask you, hey, what's your name? Like, what's your favorite food? And they try and work those into the text. I usually feel like that kind of, um, that that usually falls flat for me as a way of trying to connect with the the player. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a lot of choice and interaction. And the biggest thing is choosing your words very carefully. And something that they do, I think, is very interesting is portray the way that someone with a stutter can kind of try to work conversationally around that stutter through strategies like paraphrasing and, um, you know, sometimes saying things in a different way or, or carefully choosing your words, counting down to, you know, call, you know, calm before speaking and other things are portrayed here. And many of the dialogue choices are co- color coded based on how difficult you think they are going to be, how hard it will be to get your words out kind of stoplights fashion. Hmm. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, it's also, um, I would say pretty well written. The scenarios are like realistic portrayals of the kind of situations that you'd find yourself in with a stutter. And, um, the, especially the flashback scenes to childhood, I thought were, um, really well written and, and interesting. Um, I think there are some things that a lot of IF, um, lovers will complain about in this, um, most critically is timed text. We've had lots of discussions in the past on IF comp about how, um, the pace of timed text can be very off putting for people that really like IF because they tend to be very fast readers and don't like to be slowed down. Um, this one, it is using it very specifically for, um, you know, obviously the idea of a stutter and the idea of slowing down the text, uh, is a kind of natural use of that kind of tool in the IF toolbox. Um, but it does very much still give you that frustration that it does under, under a lot of situations where you have time text in a piece of IF that said, there are some, some really nice things that they do here. First off, you can play through the game multiple times. You're incentivized to do so, um, by a bunch of achievements. Um, and if you are playing the game for a second time, you can turn off the timed text. I kind of wish they had given me that, that ability from the start. Um, or if I could turn it off kind of midway, uh, that would have been very nice because I, I think I got the point early on. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I, I think I have shared this with Julia and I, I have kind of wanted her to kind of send it around to her speech pathologist friends and, and see if uh, it was, see what their thoughts are on it. Um, it's, uh, I think it's very, um, stra- it's a straightforward um, exploration of an experience that most people have not had and very realistically done. And I thought very well presented. So it gets my recommendation. That's really cool. And that's, that speaks to something I always think is like a strength of interactive fiction, you know, like there's nothing like text on a page to like transport you into another person's life. Right. Um, you know, more so than, you know, like a 3d game, you know, more so than a movie in, in my eyes anyway. Um, and so, you know, if you're trying to make a game to, with that explicit purpose, I think interactive fiction is, is like a really strong, uh, you know, approach for that. So I think that's really cool. I, I, I poked around in this just very briefly and I, I, um, 
uh, I agree with the timed text. I think that would be that would be a strike struggle for me. But um, but like it cer- certainly seems like they were using it to good effect or to it to mm-hmm. add to a desired effect at the very least. So um, I, interested to check that one out too. Um, I have a couple things I'll just very briefly touch on. Neither of them is something I played very long, so it made sense to to sort of bundle them up here at the end. Um, the first one I did complete, it was called Help I Can't Find My Glasses by Lacey Green. Um, and this, you know, seemed like a like a funny one to me. Uh, you know, who hasn't seen a cartoon where a character drops their glasses? My first thought with the the uh, with the title was, oh, it, it's a Velma simulator, right? Hmm. And uh, the game very much knows what it's doing when it gives you a, a choice of several names and one of and the, the default name option is Velma. So this is, in fact you know, Velma the game, but you are, you're playing as someone who's in a, it's like a high school setting. Uh, you're in like a literature club with a couple of other friends. Um, you've gone to, you've taken a nap in the literature club room and you wake up and your glasses are not there. They're missing. And, uh, so you, you know, the setup is that now we have to go investigate around the school to see who might've taken your glasses. Uh, but of course you're doing so blind or nearly blind. Everything is blurry. You can't really see things without, uh, so, Overall, I like that premise. I think it's, you know, it's a funny premise and it did have some amusing writing. Um, I, I'd say this one wasn't super strong for me. I think it does have, uh, it has a note right on the the comp page. So perhaps I should have put this one off or maybe I'll loop back to it again. It says to be updated right on the comp page. So help, I can't find my glasses, Lacey Green to be updated. Um, it's also very, very short though. And it's in one of my favorite systems. It's in the choice script uh, system, which like we mentioned when we we're talking about Turindo, um, I actually really like that system. I just sort of find its way of like, you know, a choice on every page to be like really, really propels me forward through choice-based fiction. Um, but overall, I think I just had some weird, it had some weird quirks that, uh, that kind of put me off a little bit. It lets you um, choose, you know, your gender and, you know, the gender identity that you'd prefer in potential romantic partners, because there's some, there's some implied, like there may be some, some, uh, some, you know, options to do some smooching later, always down for it in an IF game. Um, One thing I'll mention about that, if there's smooching in this game, I couldn't find it. It's only, it's a pretty short game. I played through it twice and uh, was not able to find any smooching to be done. I'm sorry, Reagan. I know. Mm. What a bummer. Um, the, the other thing that <laughs> this is such a small quibble, but it, and it, 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 I, I always hesitate to bring it, bring it up because I feel like it may be like a lost in translation kind of thing or an English as a second language thing. It, it, you, it, the grammar it uses, like this is a game about glasses and the grammar it uses around glasses just strikes me as wrong every single time they're mentioned. It's, um, the first thing you see is that your glasses are not there. Um, it's gone. Your glasses are an it, not a they. I'm an English as a, I'm an English exclusive speaker. Um, every time the glasses are referred to as a singular, I'm like, glasses are a plural, man. Like what? Yeah. That's so strange. Um, <laughs> glasses, pants, these, these are things that are inherently plural. Yeah. Inherently mm-hmm. plural. Um, so I just thought that was such a strange thing. And I, 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 I don't know. I hesitated to bring it up, but it's like there's a, a number of little odd turns of phrase throughout this that made me think like, you know, I'm not sure if this is like a, a weird quirk or English as a second language kind of thing. And again, if that's the case, 
I, you know, I, that I, I'm not, I'm not holding that particularly against it. What I guess I am holding against it is that it doesn't really build up to much. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the like solution to this game appears to be basically you have to visit the like same two rooms in the correct order without going to any other rooms. There's no other, you know, that's, there's no like, um, that that's, you know, it's, it, it's very simple in terms of like, if you want to find your glasses, you have to go here and then here, and then you find your glasses. Um, so it's not very interesting in that way. And there's just not a whole lot to it. It's very short. Um, so I would say, I think this, uh, this has some promise. Um, I, I thought the premise was good. It had moments of really great writing. I liked the way that she referred to her or the main character, which I think the gender is optional. Um, the, the way the friends are described, um, some things about the setting um, struck me as sort of a fun school-based setting, but overall it, it didn't, it didn't let my world on fire. Um, the next game is one that I have barely scratched the surface of, but I can't wait to play more of it. And it did do one very interesting thing right off the bat. So I thought it might be worth mentioning in case people were intrigued by it. Um, Shane, did you see one king to loot them all on the comp page? I saw the um, the art for it. Looked pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. I, I saw the art and immediately thought of you, Shane. I was like, <laughs> this seems like King Conan the game. It's... Uh, it's a, it, it, I've only really truly played through the intro, so I'm basing this on not much. But first of all, great setup. It's got you know a beautifully done uh, artwork of a uh, uh, of a, a king seated on a throne, you know, barbarian king seated on a throne kind of thing. Um, and you know it's a it's a parser based interactive fiction kind of adventure. You're you know you're, the the game begins with uh, a. Uh, your throne room has been invaded by an evil wizard and you have to you have to go and chase down the person who's killed your your priestess and you know you're like this has the vibe of like oh we're going to be drenched in gore this is going to be great but one thing that I thought was really like I haven't played enough of it to really see whether that carries through but it does do one thing right up front that I thought was so strange that I don't think I've ever seen before in an IF game and I can't imagine why because it does strike me as a pretty interesting option the game has a traditional like IF mode, but it also has an option to enable story mode. And if you turn on story mode for significant amounts of the game, it will play itself. You hit the space bar and it will do whatever it thinks is the next appropriate action. Hmm. And you can turn that on and off as you play. So if you were just like, okay, I, I mean, obviously we're going through the portal. You know, let's see how this plays out. And you don't want to type, you know, get sword, go through portal. You can turn on story mode and just hit spacebar, and it'll just do those things for you. And then you can turn it off again if you want. You, it seems like you can toggle it at any point. I was like, "That's that's actually really clever." I don't think I've ever seen that in a in a parser based interactive fiction game before that I can recall. Um, I wonder how that was implemented. Does it just have like a list of commands that it's going to go through? Does it have some like what if I go way, way off the beaten path? I, I haven't found this out yet. I'm just I'm really curious. Like what, what if I do something really weird and then I turn on story mode? Is it going to you know usher me back to the to the golden path? I just I just don't know. It's very interesting. So I, I wanted to bring that up not because I've played much of the game yet. I I just thematically it's doing stuff I like, but that one particular thing, I was like, wow, that's really interesting. I can't wait to see more about what that does. So I'm going to be playing more of that. And I guess I'll bring it up again on a, a later show. If I, uh, if I you know, find it's actually interesting. Um, anybody else have anything else to add? Any games that you're looking forward to playing next or anything like that? 
I have not done enough research on what to play next because the game's released five days ago, but I'm really excited to dig in. Same um, here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is one of the few years where there's not a ton of names I recognize, which is actually kind of exciting because I can pick based on theme or um, recommendations. So it feels like I have a wide world of possibility in front of me. Same. I, I haven't really done a lot of reading. There's a lot of really like interesting looking stuff on the on the page this year but i you know there's a new game by jj guest there's a new game by ryan veter the mm-hmm. fourth game in his little match girl series i I'm, i haven't played any of those so i and i wasn't sure to what degree i would be lost if i pick up the fourth game in a long-running series um but i have been told that the previous games are not required for appreciating little match girl four that said i um uh i found uh uh, J Mac, friend of the show, J Mac has uh, played through some of those on his YouTube channel. So I was going to maybe watch some of those uh, those playthroughs to catch up on the Little Match Girl before giving Ryan Veter's new game a try. Um, I've liked a lot of his stuff in the past. Um, I don't know anything else jumping out. Um, well, I don't know. Uh, listeners, help me out. We would love to get your suggestions on what's good in this year's comp or just what's interesting. You know, even if you think, ah, the the artwork on that one looks cool and I want to hear more about it before I decide to spend my time on it. We're happy to help you with that. Um, Come check us out on Discord. Uh, The best way to do that, uh, if you head to shortgame.fm and you'll find a link to our Patreon, every patron of the show gets instant access to our Discord. And our Discord is where we talk about the show. We plan things out all that stuff. Um, so we'd love to have you join us there on Discord uh, and talk with us about IF Comp. We'll be chatting about it all through the comp season, all the way into mid-November. Uh, so eager to get onto it. Um, if you're you know new to the show, what we tend to do with the IF Comp season is we'll do you know a kickoff episode like this, one to two more episodes, and then we usually do a kind of final wrap-up episode, uh, usually right around the time that the results are released. So um, We're definitely not going to play every single game in the comp. There are a lot of them, um, but we're going to do our very best to hit what seem to be uh, the highlights and uh, we'll eagerly await the results along with you and make sure to get your votes in. Um, So don't be like me. I've I've definitely been the guy who uh, forgot to put his votes in on the web and then realized, uh, you know, 10 minutes after votes were were concluded that I didn't get my vote counted. Don't be me, guys. Uh, I've done better last year, but... You, you, you too could vote, vote in the comp and not be like past Reagan. Um, let's see. Any, anything else to say? Uh, you can find our show on the internet. I already mentioned it, shortgame.fm, uh, where you'll find our contact form and all the other stuff. You'll also find links to all of our socials. We're on Mastodon. Um, we're, uh, you know, I'm on, uh, you can find me on the web, reagan.me, R-A-Y-G-A-N.me, which has links to all of my stuff, socials and whatnot. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? Uh, you can barely find me on Mastodon and Twitter. Uh, Laura J. Nash on uh, Twitter. Uh, Thurking, you can still at me there. Uh, I guess we're supposed to call it X. Um, and I make this joke every week and it still makes me sad. And on Mastodon, Laura J. Nash, bird.rodeo is the server. And Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on, uh, on Mastodon at uh, Shane S Shane shoot is it Shane yes it's Shane at bird.rodeo and listeners once again thank you so much for joining us on the short game <laughs>